When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Randy, do you think about your tires? Yes, no. Either way, if you're a weekend hacker out for a good time or a complete tire head, the Enduramax by Cooper Tires is for you. Packed with cut chip resistant durable Trek technology and EnduraGuard designed to improve tread wear and combat poor road conditions. And if those technical specs mean nothing to you, fine. Because the whole point of being so well designed is that the Enduramax is a tire you don't have to worry about, no matter where you're driving. And that means even more time to think about anything else besides tires. All Cooper tires are backed by a limited warranty, a 45-day test drive warranty, and select products are backed by Treadwear Mileage Warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit www.coopertires.com or www.coopertires.ca. And remember, go with the Coopers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. I'm Cody, joined today by Mr. Randy. How you doing, big? I'm great. Thank you, Cody. How are you today? Great. Could not. I think it's there's something going on I, in North Carolina. It's finally a little nip in the air. We have frost in the morning. Tea times are delayed, and it's just getting to that point of the year. And for us, whenever you're listening to it, it's about middle of December that it's almost uncomfortable for me to go outside and play golf. But to everybody else that lives around here, they think that the world is ending. We're in full trying to scrape ice off the window in the morning. Winter jackets are out. And every day, regardless of that frost, it still gets to 55 to 60 degrees. Yeah, heaven forbid some of that white stuff falls out of the sky, right? That- yeah, we, we people would lose their minds, and they yeah. do. Uh, well, coincidentally, out here in Denver, we got our really our first true snowfall of the year. Um, not a ton, maybe a half inch, starting to melt a little bit already, but um, good sign. Hoping for a lot more of that out here. Let me ask you, as, as a kid, when we're talking about weather changing and kind of golf, would you try to play as like late in the year, in back home in Cincinnati or would you be like no school started and I'm done it's really that's that's a great question for me I hated to play after quote unquote golf season had concluded and so that that you know that transition from nice fall weather into wet and nasty that would be the end of golf season for me I would put the clubs away and I wouldn't really want to play after that I, and as a kid, you know, what I was really geeked about was that meant basketball season. So I was busy playing basketball anyway. Um, but even growing up, I mean, I can remember playing one time on Christmas Eve on an unseasonably like warmer day. It just doesn't do a whole lot for me because it's like it doesn't feel like golf season. It feels like such a one off. I just can't get that 
into it. I know that exposes me maybe as not a diehard golfer, which I will happily cop to, but that's the way I always thought of it. No, who's going to say you're not a diehard <laughs> golfer, big? I agree with you, though. I grew up in northern Montana, and we had seasons, and yes. golf was done by, like, the beginning of October. You maybe got a couple weeks into September before that first snow, and then it would melt away. You can get it back out there one more time, but that was it. And what and, and the great when, thing about seasons, too, though, is the start of golf season, like like not playing golf made me really love golf more. I think having a, a very defined time when I wasn't golfing and I knew it wasn't golf season made me look forward to the coming golf season that much more. Yeah. And the other thing too, is for some reason, it feels like you come back better. Oh, tempo rhythm. You've yeah. forgotten all those bad habits. A hundred percent. That first round it's, it's always loosey goosey outside of a, you know, a couple of years in college when I was able to play year round, my entire adult life, I've still been living that seasonal golf life. I, I've been either with a deployment somewhere in the middle. I still haven't played year-round. So this is my first true year. And like we were talking about earlier, I've gotten worse. And I don't know if that means like I just need to stop for a couple months. But who knows? There has to be something behind it. I, I There is. And I'm not smart enough to tell you what that is. Um I think honing in on on a routine and a regimen, a practice schedule is probably what would help you. I, I don't know. You know, as a big practice guy myself, that's what works for me. I, so Okay. I, I'm glad you went down that route and not uh, <laughs> passion. I thought you were going to talk to me about some passion for the game here for no, a second. No, 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 no. Your heart's just not in it. I'm like, uh, okay. No, but, no. I, I truly think it's, it's finding a purpose for why you golf. I, I think I – I found that in a lot of activities, right? The, the more you do it, you can just start doing it mindlessly. And it's like, wait a second, what are we actually trying to do here? And finding a purpose and a focus, I think, uh, sets you, or at least it does for me, uh, in golf or otherwise, kind of sets you on that path to improvement and um, kind of refining whatever skill it is. Yeah, I, I agree. I think... I wonder what it is truly about passion. We honestly should have just like a winter golf things to do in the, in the winter when you can't play episode, because yeah. I know for you, you're the king of not practicing. Did, have you gone to a driving range or to a golf course this year with the intent of just working on something? No, I haven't. And not a single time. Now no. I'll follow this. This is a golf podcast. This is not a tennis podcast. How many times have you gone in to practice tennis this year? Last night, I rented a ball machine in a court. Went, went in by myself go. last night. Yes. And, and we're, this is a weekly thing for you. Maybe not the machines and everything else, but you are grinding on your game. Yeah. Um, I think what I, why I like doing it for tennis right now, and I know there are avenues in golf, but I want to play competitions. And so that's the motivating factor for me. And I I've done a couple like Florida state golf association, like one day events, but I, I think that's what it's always been lacking for golf is like, well, what's that thing at the end of the rainbow that like you're practicing for. And I've struggled with that because it's, it's always like nefarious. I want to get better, but I don't think that's good enough. That's not, obviously that's not a big enough motivating factor for me. 
right? It, it's got to be some specific thing. Yeah. No, I get that. Completely uh, get it. <laughs> yeah. But what are we talking about today? What? what I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about tennis. <laughs> no. We're going to Harbor Point, Big. We are. Where are yeah. we at? So Harbor Point Golf Club, Harbor Springs, Michigan. Yep. We focused. This is a big part of your story uh, in northern Michigan. We focus that on this most recent season of Tour Sauce. Please go to the YouTube channel and check that out. But this is a course that we didn't cover. I've never been there. You've played there. This is going to be all about you. I'm sure you're going to tell me that it has some lush trees out there. It's beautifully <laughs> manicured. And that there's some story that you're going to tell us about, you know, you gaining perspective at some point in time in your life that we all can live from. <laughs> Am I that boring and predictable? No, not at all. <laughs> Listen. Um, well, let's start here. Har Harbor Springs, of course, uh, well-documented. I would send people to the, the tour saw season, um, all credit to, to DJ, to you, uh, to Ben Hotailing, uh, in your videography, Nick Kelly, I, I just rambled and told a long story and DJ made a very cool episode um, specifically at Boyne Highlands, which is Harbor Springs. Anyway, I say all that Harbor Point is a small course really tucked in Harbor Springs. And if you can believe this, I played it for the very first time uh, just a few months ago in fall of 2021. So it was a course that, you know, there are a couple up there for whatever reason, I just have not played yet. And this was one that was like top of my list. I, you know, I went up there with my brother-in-law and my dad and I was like, okay, let's finally, let's play Harbor point. And so I did, and I loved it. And I want to tell you all about it. And I want you to tell me though, where would you like to start? Well, for my research, we do research for these podcasts. My first question for you, some could consider this course to be private yeah it's it's a very shout out to conic uh strapped i think season what was that season two season three it it is it, it does it does appear that their short shoulder season allows tea times for outside play so you're going to get away with this very much a semi public facility yeah and i actually think it's a great model if if so what it is is you're, you're exactly right semi-public semi-private whatever you want to say i played it buying a tea time off the street. So I took advantage of the public. Uh, the Michigan golf season really starts, it, it shifts, but you can think of it start of May is, is when you can really start playing golf up there. Um, so from May to mid-June, Harbor Point is open to the public. They have a membership. The members can play as well, but it's, it's open to the public. And then from mid-June to Labor Day, which is really the peak season up there, they reserve their play for the members, which, listen, I get um it's it, it is what it is but then labor day to the end of the season which you can play into you know you can set, catch some gorgeous mid-october days up there it opens back up to the public and so rather than it being all private i i think this is a great model right i i think there are you can catch a, a spring day in june where you can play it you can catch a beautiful fall day in october you can play it and so at least it allows the public the, the opportunity to play it. Um, and it's and the fees are like, it's $50 for 18 holes, greens fees. Um, I would recommend taking a push cart or walking. I don't think you need a golf cart, uh, but they do have them available. 
should you uh, so choose. So, yes, um, semi-public. Uh, Accessible. That's all that matters. Accessible. And honestly, if people want to go on their website, the memberships, because it's such a short golf season up there and, and Harbor Springs is kind of a second home vacation type of place. Like, honestly, their golf memberships are, are pretty inexpensive. So, um, you know, if anybody spends a ton of time up there, I would say certainly something you should look into. It's got a fun little history. Should we get into that or anything else? You please. want to badger me about the, uh, the private aspects of it a little more? No, please tell us about the history. <laughs> so I found the history to be quite entertaining. Um, or not entertaining is maybe not the right word. Interesting, I guess. It is one of the oldest golf courses in northern Michigan. They have found a version of a golf course on the site as early as 1896. Um, but it really, the history of Harbor Point Golf Club, as we know it today, starts in 1899, uh, led by a businessman, a Chicago businessman, Alexander F. Stevenson, who I tried to learn a little bit about, and I couldn't really find anything on him. So not sure what he did or, or you know, if he had claims to fame otherwise. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but this Alexander Stevenson led a group of business people. You know, Harbor Springs, Northern Michigan is a huge summer getaway for Chicago folks. Uh, it's becoming more of like a Midwest, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati getaway. So no surprise there. They purchased the land and they hired a, an architect, a guy by the name of David Fowlis, to come in and essentially set down a proper 18-hole golf course. So really, since 1899, what is that, over 120 years, um, the course has just sat there. And they really haven't done a lot to it, which is, which is cool. I think that feeling of stepping back in time is a, uh, is a big one that I want to hit on through the rest of this episode. So I did, Cody. I did find some stuff, though. I, this David Fowlis is a is a really interesting guy comes from a prominent i i agree i was like perplexed that oh that yeah his name isn't out there more yeah so comes from saint andrews um why not uh, let me set you up what what did you what, what all did you find on him not just that he, he came from saint andrews so that's where he learned to play the golf is a obviously a scottish and then moved over to the united states he played in a ton of professional events you know i would say most notably took tied for eighth in the 1897 u.s <laughs> open um, who could forget that one right him and his brother so his brother had a brother named james they basically invented the seven iron what you now know as the mashy niblick um yes. that was them uh what was the other thing they invented um the, the, the essentially cup liner. The, the cup liner in the golf hole right yeah they got Protect a patent for it um, yeah, just an incredible story. He, like you said, he came over to the U S I think he emigrated like 1896 actually. And what I found also interesting, I, I think Harbor points, the only course that he does. It's it's the only one I could find that's credited to David. His brother, James, uh, was somewhat of a prodigious golf course architect. I, I think, you know, at least 25 designs to his name. But as far as I can find, I certainly could be wrong. I think Harbor Point might be the only one credited to David, which, uh, which is fun. And two other things I want to mention about David. He went on to be the head 
golf professional at Chicago Golf Club. I know that's one of your favorite courses, Cody. You go there quite often. Never been there. Uh, and then eventually became the head pro and greenskeeper at Hinsdale Golf Club in Chicago, which I don't know much about that one. And uh, that's where he ended up retiring. David has a son, James, who competed in the first ever Masters, tied for 28th. True. These facts. are all these are all facts. Yeah. Just I don't interesting. Know. There wasn't anything else on his Wikipedia page. So uh, I don't know what else he did. I know yeah. that he died in, in Arizona. So I'm sure he had a, a phenomenal life once uh, AC was invented and they retired down there. Yeah. Oh, it's just cool. You know, those little strings um, that that's, you know, that's part of the fun of doing podcasts like these, right? Is like, okay, well, who designed Harbor Point Golf Club? David Fowlis. Okay. What? And then it's like, you just go on all these tangents that are, a ton of fun. So I, I thought this one was particularly um, interesting and a lot of good. Uh, I don't know. What's the word? Um, a lot of good little nuggets there for the hardcore golfers, right? With the St. Andrews Chicago golf club, early U S opens this, this was a fun little rabbit hole to go down. Wonder what, uh, I wonder how these guys, so him and he replaced his brother as head golf professional at Chicago golf club. Yes. I wonder how they ended up there. What was the tie? It had to have been some somebody from Chicago went over to Scotland and said, hey, we're, we're looking. Please come. But uh, how far back did that go? I watched their, um, I don't know if it was Chicago Golf Hall of Fame. It was some Hall of Fame. I watched a little video on both. They went in as brothers, right? They were inducted after their right. deaths. So they inducted the brothers. And there was a third brother, too, that actually went in with them. And I apologize. I didn't write down his name. But um, it said that David's brother, James, was recruited by CB McDonald to be the head pro at Chicago Golf Club. So I think it was our it was our boy CB that was probably going between Scotland and and recruiting him over, mm. which would tie in too to the early U.S. Opens. Of course, McDonald was very involved. Yeah, with absolutely. So. I'm like so down this rabbit hole now that like so basically what would have been his grandson is like this famous like mathematician. Really. Yeah, so looking at his page now, he's an American mathematician known for his research on algebraic foundations and quantum mechanics. Spent most of his career at University of uh, Massachusetts Amherst, retired in 1997, but continues to be very active in mathematics today. Yeah, it's crazy. How how do these guys go from golfing in St. Andrews (laughs) to generations on generations living and chasing this American dream to having like their kids being like, one of the most renowned math professors in the world. What a, what a fun, interesting family. Yeah. That's fascinating. I wonder if this guy plays golf at all. Maybe should look him up anyway. Yeah. Fascinating family. The fact that somebody like we don't really think about at the time when we go play golf, there's like, Oh, there's a cup. There's a cup liner. It supports a flag stick. Nobody knew or thought to think of that before David and James did. And I wonder why the stuff's not named after them. Maybe that's how modest they were. Yeah, that's a good point. I do know they, they got the patent, I think, in 1912. I'd be curious if that provided like a financial windfall for them or how long that patent was in effect. If it still is, that's stuff I do not know. But uh <laughs> seems pretty pervasive uh that that technology today so maybe hopefully uh, you know hopefully they earned a little bit off of it so i'm guessing it must have been a normal private club 
up until, you know, from the time that it was designed up and through basically till through the Great Depression. Something happened. It said 1941, the course was taken over by the Harbor Point Association and continues to be managed by them today. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, I was talking to the guy working in the golf shop and because when I spent my time up in Harbor Springs, I always thought of it as just a private course. I was always under the impression it was fully private. And so um, I think just in the last couple of years, they have transitioned back to allowing public play was the sense I got. I hope that continues. I guess the guy intimated maybe that won't always be the case. Um, but looking at their website, at least for 2022, they um, intend to keep allowing public play. So I, I, I think it's gone from like fully private to semi-private throughout its history. Hmm. And it appears that the course is still intact, almost the exact same way it, it was originally laid out. There's four tee boxes that are out there. They appear to be of the same length, of course, that it originally probably was from its, you know, furthest back tee boxes. It only goes out to 5880. And then it's forward tees all the way out to about 4900. I mean, can you think of a course that just that more up my alley than you know, 5,900 quaint, cozy, uh, just nestled in this old bucolic, uh, neighborhood setting. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I have to imagine some trees have come and gone, right. But I can't imagine they've moved much dirt at all from the original design and layout. So I, I think from that standpoint is you're probably getting a look at a course that's really been pretty much the same, like I said, for 120 years, which is, which is pretty cool. You know, when you're trying to do something and I apologize to the listeners here and like all of a sudden you're just surrounded by dogs or children or something that want to make every noise possible. Of course. These dogs decided to come in here. I've already <laughs> been like, kicked out of every room I, I now record in a closet upstairs and they're just in here rolling scratching themselves <laughs> collars all so i apologize for the no, noise it's all right it's, fr it's friday afternoon they're like you know it's time to time to kick back let's play i know we're all dreaming in northern michigan can't wait to get back up there uh, yeah i just want to yeah. be you know get involved with it but what can you tell us about the course yeah uh so it's it's old school, right? Uh, you roll up to it. It's an extremely modest little clubhouse. Uh, the, the golf locker room, the golf shop, very old school in, in a great little charming kind of way, right? Um, that's, that's probably your, the first impression it hits you with. Um, second, you know, as you browse, peruse the scorecard, you'll see that it plays under 6,000 yards. Um, it's a little cliche, but it's, it's much more difficult than the yardage would lead you to believe. Uh, it's a small, tight little course in places, lots of big trees. Uh, it, it, like I said, it kind of sits in and weaves through a residential part of Harbor Springs uh, and, and in a good way, not, you know, it's not like you're going up against property boundaries. Um, and I think beyond that, you know, the, the, the challenge and where the course really excels is with the greens. 
They're, they're small. They have all kinds of interesting little undulations. And so it's going to test, really, it's a second shot golf course, right? It's going to test your approach play. Um, you can hit a, any number of clubs off a lot of holes, whether it be driver if you want to, um, or down to a long iron in a lot of cases. But the name of the game is, can you hit these small greens and hit the ball in a spot where, you know, you're not above the flag with a, a devilish little downhill putt. Um, and that's, to me, that's what is like so much fun about golf. A lot of time is it, it's not going to beat you up. You're not going to feel overwhelmed. You don't have to like overpower the course. I don't know if you really can overpower the course. Cause there are a lot of little dog legs and big, tall trees. Um, but it's just about accuracy and truly golfing your ball, I think, is is what the course really stands on. Um, so, I, I yeah, I, I, I just think it's for me, it's the type of course that's like, oh, man, this is this is the type of golf I love. And um, it was really fun to find Harbor Point to play Harbor Point this year because it's like. Oh shit, this could be like one of my favorite courses in Northern Michigan. I, I want to play this, you know, every time I go back up there. So we talked about a little bit of the, the length, which at the end of the day, doesn't matter. It's not, not what we're trying to describe or, or have a discussion about here, but par 71. So 36 on the front, 35 on the back. There's one hole that's over 500 yards. That's par five twelfth. Yep. Everything else is basically all the par fours are from, 330 to 410-ish, mm-hmm. and then kind of plays like every other course that we saw in northern Michigan. And, and I should mention, too, um, there's a little bit of elevation. It's, um, it, it's you, you kind of play the property, the clubhouse kind of sits at what is the low point of, of the property. And so some of the holes you kind of go up um, rising in elevation, They're like there are a couple par fours, even a, the par five. Uh, what is it? The fourteenth, I want to say. Um, yeah, it's like two. It's four hundred and eighty yards on the scorecard, but that hole is like uphill, so it, it plays longer. So I do want to mention, you know, there 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 is some elevation at play as well. And with that elevation, one of the things that you know, again, what I love about golf and uh, certainly harbor point is you know you you climb up to um the tee box on the 16th or number seven and it's just you can see trees and then out into lake michigan and it's just gorgeous it is it is absolutely picturesque so um yeah i wanted to mention the uh that there is some elevation to the course as well did the back nine i'm looking at the card now and it's a 35 but there's four par threes on it it's a real funky scorecard isn't it only yeah. two yeah and there are three par fives there, there's only two par fours which is you start off on on yeah. 10 so 10's a par five 11 par three 12's a par five 13's a par three 14's a par five <laughs> 15's a par three yeah uh it's just, it's funky, right? It's, it's old school. It's not uh, listen. If, if your idea of fun golf is like, give me 7,300 yards and like, make me, 
you know, stripe my driver and challenge me to, to hit all these big booming shots. Like, yeah, probably not going to like Harbor point. Um, but I think hopefully most of the people listening kind of know what I like in a golf course. And like, dude, this is it. Like, give me a little quirk, give me a little history, give me some views, you know, give me interesting greens, challenge me with like precision and accuracy. And like, that's what I really like. So we talked about the view that you had on the 14 T box, but what hole stood out to you? If you could, you could claim one to be a signature, what would it be? I think number two, for me, number two is my favorite hole. Uh, the only like downside to that is of course it comes really quickly in your round. It is a 335 yard par four. Um, it's a pretty sharp little dog leg left. There are big trees, um, certainly a big tree on the inside of the dog leg and you can't, you know, you can't blow it right. Cause it's big mature trees on, on that side as well. So, you know, being 335, it's like, okay. If you're really feeling aggressive with driver, I guess you can hit driver. But for most people, it's, you know, whatever your most comfortable long iron is. And then your second shot, right? You kind of hit it out to where the dog leg bends and you have this view to, it's kind of a slightly, I think overall it plays a little uphill, but the fairway kind of dips and then the green kind of sits up above it. So it, it feels like a little bit of an uphill shot. Um, just this small, fun, funky little green kind of seems like it's tucked in this grove of trees back there. Um, some, some, some contouring, some fall off. And it's just a really fun yet difficult shot. Like the time I played, um, I thought I hit a really good second shot. Uh, it was just a little long. It takes a big hop and it goes, I missed the green long. I chipped you know, back, I, I can't get it to stop by the hole and I roll out to the front of the green. I end up three putting and it's like, Oh my God, all of a sudden I walk off with, what is that? Like a triple bogey or something. Um, and to me, it's like, it puts a little bit of a smile on my face making a triple bogey. Cause it's like, man, I didn't hit like a terrible shot. Yeah. I hit a bad putt, but it's like, that's just a fun, tricky little hole. And I think that's, that's the thought and that's the feeling that just runs through my mind the whole day. Um, but I think nowhere is that accentuated as much as number two. So that's my pick for, for favorite hole, but there are a couple others I would, I would mention if, if you'll allow me. Go ahead. Um, five is the number one ranked hole on the scorecard. It is, uh, it plays uphill. So you, you kind of, four is a part three. You, you walk off four green, you have a little bit of a walk, you cross a road, uh, and you get to five tee box and it's, um, it, it's not a, like a long part four, um, uh, three, what, three sixty something, maybe three seventy, Uh, and it's, it's kind of a gradual dog leg left up this hill and the green then, I mean, it's kind of all in the second shot, like most of the course, uh, small green protected on both sides on a, by a bunker and off to the right is just like a pretty steep fall off. And so again, it's like you have a mid iron short iron in your hand and the whole name of the game is like, can you hit it to a, to a pretty tight area? And if you miss, you're going to get in a lot of trouble, but if you don't, you know, 
you, I'm sure you can score really well there if, if your if your wedges and short irons are dialed. But um, that's kind of another great example of of what the course is uh, overall. And then ten and eleven, I want to just point out. You know, there's architecturally, there's not a ton going on with them. Like ten's a pretty straightaway, benign par five, really gettable uh, under five hundred yards. Runs parallel to the Tunnel of Trees Road, which is just gorgeous. Um, and then 11 is just kind of a straightaway 170 yard par three. Uh, it's expansive. I just like, I wish I had better words, but it's just like a handsome hole. And I think taken together 10 and 11 are, are, you just feel like, God, like this, these holes, like I could be in 1910, right? It it's, it's those fun kind of just time warps where you play those holes and it's like, man, like this is exactly what it was a hundred years ago. Um, and I think that's, you know, maybe not all the time, but that's fun on occasion. And I, I got a kick out of it at Harbor point. So wanted to shout out those two. And then the final one, 16 is a downhill part four. Uh, 16 T box is kind of a high point of the property. Again, great view out to Lake Michigan um, on a sunny picturesque day. It's like, you know, you can't beat it. It's just a fun, again, like handsome, elegant. I, I don't, I, I kind of run out of adjectives quickly, but just downhill par four, 17 is like a really fun par three, uh, a funky little green. And then 18 just kind of snakes you back to the clubhouse. And it's like, you walk this nice, tidy loop, uh, extremely walkable. You feel like you, you know, you see some folks, you're in the neighborhood, you feel like you, you've seen the lake, you see the trees, and it's like, man, there's like no better way to spend three, three and a half hours, in my opinion. So um, just a really fun routing. I, I think for me, like a fun golf course. So that's a pretty good lay of the land. But talk to me about the greens. From what I read online from this review that Tim V posted in 2012, is that they're <laughs> very small, quick but very deceptive. So is that something that stood out to you? <laughs> yes, that's it. Exactly. It's like small, right? So, you know, again, got to try to have, you have to have accurate wedges, accurate approach shots, um, quick, which is a lot of fun. I love playing quick greens and yes, a lot of deceptive slope, which I think the more times you play Harbor point, uh, it was really difficult to see and pick up on some of the slopes just going around at one time. But I mean, Cody, I'll tell you this, right. We've said it's what 5,800 yard golf course, par 71. I, I shot a 92 and it's like, it wasn't, right. it, was, it wasn't it an embarrassing matter. 92. Like, you know, I hit some bad shots, of course, but it was more just like, huh? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can't miss it by three yards there or, wow, I didn't see that slope in the green. It, it was like a fun, I, I kind of got my butt kicked and it was a lot of fun, if that makes sense. That's all you can ask for, right? Yeah, of course. It, because the first thing I want to do is like, oh my God, give me another crack at that golf course, right? Where I, I walk off some of the longer, more boring courses, I'll shoot a 93, 94. And like my feeling is like, oh my God, I never want to play that again. I, I think I think I, I like I, I keep repeating myself, but it's like that Harbor Point is what is fun golf to me. And I realize it's not fun golf to everybody, but walking off of there, it's like immediately it's like, oh my God, can't wait to play there again. There you have it. There's your overview. 
if you're up there in the shoulder season, feel free, get on the website. You can get a tee time. If you go up there during peak season, you might have to work a little bit, call the yeah. club, see what they can do for you, but I'm sure they'll be able to make something happen. They're pretty laid back. Yeah. Small town folks. I, I think they'll do everything they can. All right. Did we leave any meat on the bone or is that Harbor point? That's Harbor point. I would say after you're done golfing, it's like not even a mile down to downtown Harbor Springs, such a charming little village. Uh, go down there, grab a drink, grab a bite to eat, stroll out to the bay. It's, it's just fantastic. Big. I appreciate your time, buddy. All right. Thank you.